It's Monday, March the 30th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist. Coming up, up to 200,000 Americans might die of COVID-19 and lockdowns intensify. First, the world in brief. Anthony Fauci, director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases, warned that between 100,000 and 200,000 Americans could die of COVID-19. Shortly after, President Donald Trump abandoned his goal of reopening the economy by Easter, April 12th, asking Americans to continue practicing social distancing until at least April 30th. Mr. Fauci praised the decision as wise and prudent. The daily death toll from COVID-19 in Italy fell for the second successive day to 756 on Sunday. It has been overtaken by Spain's where the daily death rate reached a record high of 838. Spain announced the closure of all non-essential workplaces for two weeks. Meanwhile, Italy's regional affairs minister said his government would inevitably extend the country's lockdown beyond April 3rd. In a sign of the strain that the pandemic is placing on politicians, the finance minister of the German state of Hesse, Thomas Schaefer, committed suicide. Volker Bouffier, the Hessian prime minister, said his colleague had become deeply worried over how to cope with the economic fallout. India's Prime Minister Narendra Modi asked forgiveness for the hardships imposed on the poor by a 21-day national lockdown. It had the unintended effect of sending an enormous number of labourers trudging home cross-country in search of food and shelter, and possibly bearing contagion too. Nearly as many are known to have died in the mass migration as of COVID-19. South Korea and Japan said that North Korea launched two more short-range ballistic missiles off its east coast. It looks like their fourth test this month since nuclear disarmament talks with America ground to a halt. South Korea declared the launches to be highly inappropriate in light of the COVID-19 pandemic, which North Korea claims has not infected any of its citizens. Venezuela's opposition leader Juan Guaido has called for the creation of an emergency government of national unity to deal with the spread of COVID-19 in the country, which is suffering from hyperinflation and collapsing public services. Meanwhile, in Brazil, President Jair Bolsonaro reportedly threatened to sack his health minister if he criticised his policies to combat the pandemic. Kim Kielsen, the Prime Minister of Greenland, announced a prohibition on the sale of alcohol in Nuuk, the capital of the autonomous Danish territory. The move was motivated by an attempt to reduce violence against children in their homes now that schools are closed because of COVID-19. Nearly a third of people living in Greenland suffered sexual abuse as a child. And editor's note, The Economist is making some of its most important coverage of the COVID-19 pandemic freely available to readers of The Economist today, our daily newsletter. For details, visit our hub at www.economist.com slash coronavirus. And now, here's today's agenda. Housing as healthcare, homelessness and COVID-19. Billions of people have been ordered to stay at home to halt the spread of COVID-19, but what of the homeless? They face a higher risk of dying from the pandemic since they tend to be older and have underlying health problems. Most live in cities hard hit by the coronavirus, and social distancing is near impossible in the tent encampments and crowded shelters where they congregate. Researchers at several universities estimate that if 40% of America's 600,000 or so homeless get infected, more than 21,000 may be hospitalized and nearly 3,500 could die. 
so officials are scrambling to increase shelter capacity and get rough sleepers off the streets. A safer option is to rent hotel rooms for them, which allows them to self-isolate. Britain has already ordered English councils to do this. Another worry is that more people may end up homeless if laid-off workers miss rent payments. Eviction moratoriums will give renters some respite. Won't work. SoftBank's WeWork Rescue. A showdown is coming this week between big shareholders in WeWork, the troubled office-sharing startup, and its chief backer, SoftBank Group. Last October, Son Masayoshi, boss of the Japanese tech investing group, rescued WeWork following its aborted IPO. SoftBank injected $5 billion of working capital. It now owns 80% of the firm. WeWork's business is deteriorating rapidly because of the spread of COVID-19. Mr. Son may extricate his firm from a deal it struck to hand $3 billion to WeWork's early shareholders, including Adam Neumann, its founder. SoftBank said last week that pending government investigations into WeWork invalidate the terms of that deal. The move would also stop $1.1 billion of funding from new debt going into the company. WeWork shareholders who could lose out call this completely unethical. With SoftBank's own credit rating under pressure, Mr. Son needs to prove his credentials on financial discipline. WeWork's early investors may soon be out of pocket. Taken ill, the euro area's economy. The economic damage of COVID-19 and the resulting lockdowns to curb it is becoming clearer. Expect economic sentiment in March, for which figures come out today, to have darkened considerably. A preliminary release showed that consumers, who had been reasonably upbeat about the economic outlook in February, became much gloomier. A survey of purchasing managers indicated the steepest drop in activity in the index's 22-year history, with the services sector faring particularly poorly. Economists cannot revise down their projections for GDP quickly enough. Those at Morgan Stanley, a bank, expect output in the euro area to fall by 5% this year, compared with 2019. In an attempt to cushion the blow, many governments have announced large spending plans and the European Central Bank will buy over 1 trillion euros, 1.1 trillion dollars in assets this year. But for as long as tight restrictions are in place, all this cash cannot fully offset the pain. Ready to relaunch? Alitalia's rebirth. Last December, Italy's industry minister declared that taxpayers would not pour more money into the country's troubled flag carrier. He spoke too soon. The spread of COVID-19 since January, which has brought the collapse of air travel across the world, threatened to finish off the perpetually loss-making airline. It has only ever reported one year of profit since its creation in 1946. Facing extinction, earlier this month Italy nationalised its remains, promising to create a new Alitalia. A meeting today between Italy's industry, transport and labour ministers, along with trade union representatives, may provide some clarity on how the carrier will look after it has risen from the dead. At first, very small. Its initial fleet will probably number only 25 to 30 aircraft. How long Alitalia will take to beef up and stand on its own is anyone's guess, but it appears that the Italian government and its long-suffering flag carrier are stuck with each other for a while longer. They have it in the Congo, Africa and COVID-19. Africa is acutely vulnerable to the COVID-19 pandemic because of widespread malnutrition and immunocompromising disease. 
Perhaps no country is as worrisome as the Democratic Republic of Congo, which is particularly poor and badly governed. Politicians are already squabbling over how to deal with the spread of COVID-19. The country so far has 65 confirmed cases. On Friday, the governor of the capital, Kinshasa, announced unusual lockdown measures. People should stay at home for four days, then move around freely for two, before returning home for another four. But President Felix Chisekedi overruled the decision. It was an illogical solution to an impossible problem. Kinshasa has 12 million residents, many living in cramped houses without running water. Most survive on small daily profits from selling goods in marketplaces. A full lockdown would probably result in riots. Yet beyond the capital there is a glimmer of hope. Congo is vast and has few roads. For once, this may prove useful by slowing the spread of the contagion. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Mervyn King, who was born on this day in 1948. A successful central bank should be boring. That's it from The Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening.